Well, Cavalry was a, would be a good place to be led to. Amen. Amen. Good to see you tonight. Are you glad to be in God's house tonight? Anybody tired out today? Tired out? Yeah. Good to be in God's house though, right? Take a deep breath. We'll sing together. We'll worship together. We'll pray together. We'll spend some time in God's word together. Amen. Take your Bible, please. Let's turn tonight to uh, Judges. Uh, Judges chapter 20 tonight. I'd like to tell you that it's, you know, just a wonderfully encouraging <laughs> account tonight, but, you know, you, you figured out by now the, the period of the judges, Brother Ray Metchik, it's, it's pretty dark days, right? These were dark days, and um, it'll be good to move on from the book of Judges here in another week or so, but I'm thankful for the time that we've had in the book because it has been a wonderful uh, I say wonderful because it, it's a necessary, a needful reminder of how badly things can go as we stray away from the Lord. When we stray away from the Lord, if we stray away from the Lord, uh, Brother Art, we know things can go pretty badly pretty quickly, right? And we saw that with the case of the first Levite that we saw here a few chapters back. And boy, last Wednesday night, did we see that again with the second Levite now? We really did, right? Things went from uh, bad to pretty bad to really bad to, to really um, pretty shocking, pretty shocking. Uh, this man had taken a concubine uh, as a wife or concubine, and uh, a terrible fate befell her, you recall, in chapter 19. And uh, she, she was killed. And of course, this, this Levite uh, who had wed her or taken her as a concubine, he was very upset, uh, as any man would be, terribly upset. And um, Gary, you ever have the experience where when you get really upset and you let your emotions kind of rule the day, they, they carry you to a place where you wish you had not allowed them to take you, right? Lord, lead me to Calvary. <laughs> Don't let my emotions lead me away to a place that I'm going to regret. And, you know, no, no doubt this man, this Levite, came to regret the actions that he took uh, when the woman was killed. Uh, you recall that he quite horrifically uh, cut her body into 12 pieces and uh, in an effort to kind of uh, gather the nation together against the Benjamites, he, he sent a piece of his murdered wife to each of the tribes and uh, that summoned them together. That was a, a pretty graphic, Marilyn, I would say a pretty graphic call to action uh, the tribes came together. Now, we'll, we'll pick it up there tonight here in chapter 20. But why don't you stop and think for a second. I want you to stop and think. Zach, think about this for one minute. Um, rather than chopping his, this, this dear woman into pieces and mailing her to the various tribes to encourage them to come together and in a united front against the Benjamites, a force that would retaliate against them, do you think he might have handled it a little bit differently? <laughs> if you thought about that this week at all, uh, maybe you reflected a little bit on, on chapter 19 and the situation we see there at the end. Uh, do you think that he might have handled it a little bit differently? Um, uh, I think he might have, Gary. I think there's, there's things that he could have done. He is a Levite, and he could have gone to the, the priest, and he could have... Uh, brought the situation to the priest and, and sought counsel and sought some ruling. 
Um, by the way, this, this um, situation seems to be right at the very beginning of, of the book of uh, Judges. There, there's no judge in place at this time, evidently. This, this is in the appendix, which is not chronological, and it seems to happen right there at the beginning of the book. Uh, there's no judge that he could go to, but he is a Levite. He could have gone to the priest, uh, and they, they could have considered and, and weighed the situation, and, and Brother Art sought the counsel of the Lord, perhaps, uh, and come to a, um, a, a reasoned, hopefully godly and, and biblical solution. Uh, he didn't do that. He, he evidently allowed his emotions to carry him away, and uh, he, he committed this terrible uh, act of cutting her up and sending her off, and it did have the effect that he desired. Uh, it did have the effect that he desired. It, it brought the people together, uh, and he, he has an opportunity to tell, uh, to give the account, and pretty quickly they are united and raising up an army to go to war against the Benjamites. Now, stop and think about this for a second. Who are the tribes to the Benjamites. What's their relationship? Uh, what's the relationship between the Benjamites, um, I'm gonna give you the answer, I guess, in phrasing it this way, and the other tribes of Israel, uh, the, other, the other tribes of the nation? What's their relationship? Brother Garcia, who are they to each other? They're, aren't, aren't they people of one country? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, um, they're, they're kinsmen. Uh, they're not all the same tribe, but they're, they're the, uh, they're the people that God assembled together as the nation and brought them into the land. Um, they're, they're not people who should be warring against each other. They're people who should be united together and, uh, and coming together to solve their problems in a godly biblical way, uh, hopefully not one that would require going to war. I mean, really, you see a civil war uh, enacted, uh, carried out in this chapter here. And um, I would say this, on, on the one hand, you could argue, well, the Benjamites needed to be dealt with, and, uh, and God had promised this kind of consequence uh, back in Deuteronomy to a tribe or to the nation if they turn from God's word and, and, and refuse to obey his word. He, he promised them uh, strong correction, strong retaliation, and so uh, they're, they're going to see that. That's true. That would be one way of, of viewing it. Uh, if there's great consequences for straying away from the Lord, as we've said. But you can't help but wonder if, if, if this Levite had just been following God's word all along and had been where God wanted, if he'd been yielded to God and, and always where God wanted him to be. And when he had a problem resolving it God's way, uh, things could have gone better. Things could have gone better. No doubt they would have. Let's pick it up here tonight. Judges chapter 20, beginning uh, here in verse 1. The people are gathered together to consider uh, the response. Here the Bible says, Then all the children of Israel uh, went out, and the congregation was gathered together uh, as one man. So note that phrase very quickly. won't dwell on this, but uh, as one man. In the New Testament, we have language like one body and one mind, and one, what, Zach, can you think of anything else? What, one spirit. Uh, and, and the language always pictures what? It always pictures unity, right? So you have very similar language being used here. Uh, so there's good Old Testament precedent for that language. You see it being used here. One man, uh, not one literal man, but a large group of people have come together united in spirit. Uh, they'll be very quickly united in their response 
uh, to this terrible, terrible crime. So from Dan even to Bel uh, Sheba, uh, with the land of Gilead unto the Lord in Mizpah, uh, is where they are. There's been some suggestion that perhaps they should have been at Shiloh, perhaps they should have been consulting the priest where the tabernacle was at that time, and, and I think that's probably right. I've alluded to that already. Uh, the, the tabernacle is not here, it's at Shiloh. That's where the priests would have been focused. That's where the Levites uh, might have assembled together and, and, and solved this as the spiritual leaders of the land. Uh, but they've not done that. They've not done that. They've, they've, they've come together in almost more of a secular way here, just gathering people together and trying to kind of uh, come uh, together themselves, being led of their own mind here, what would be the right thing to do, uh, rather than treating it as kind of a spiritual problem with a spiritual answer and letting the, the religious leaders um, counsel. They don't, uh, they don't begin that way. That's part of the problem here, we'll, we'll see. So the people assemble together here, verse 2, uh, an army of 400,000. The chief of the, all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, uh, presented themselves in the assembly of the people, uh, people of God, uh, 400,000 uh, footmen that drew the sword. So uh, they've got an army of 400,000 soldiers uh, that they have assembled with the intention of uh, going to the Benjamites and, and dealing with this uh, heinous crime. It is a heinous crime, and, and under the law, the death penalty would, have been, um, would not have been unwarranted, uh, but to go, up, to go against the entire uh, tribe this way um, is, is not something that um, you would expect and not something necessarily the Lord would ordain. He'll allow it. We'll see that. Uh, the people inquire with the Levite about the situation. Verse 3, Bible says here, Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were gone up to Mizpah. So the Benjamites, uh, who are, you know, remember the, 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 the people, I'll get it here, give me a second. <laughs> the people that came against um, the, the Levites' concubine were, were people of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin right? They, the Benjamites get wind that the nation is assembling against them. We see this in verse 3. Uh, end of verse 3, then the children of Israel um, to the Levite, they say, tell us, uh, how was this wickedness? Tell us, uh, why is it that we've all received a piece of this woman? Please explain to us uh, the, the background here, give us the history. He answers in verse 4, the Levite, the husband of the woman that was slain, answered and said, I came into Gebeah that belongeth to Benjamin. That was the city or the town, right? Uh, in the territory of Benjamin, I and my concubine to lodge. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and beset the house round uh, about upon me by night and thought to have slain me and my concubine have they forced uh, that she is dead. Now, is that the basic gist? Is that, is that pretty much what happened? Do you remember? Is that pretty much the gist? Did he leave out anything? <laughs> I think he left out something important. You remember the men came and they wanted the Levite, right? And um, the, the man that was hosting them in his home offered him uh, his daughter and the Levite. And they weren't really pleased with that, so the Levite... The, the, the wife of the Levite, the Levite steps in and uh, he doesn't really ask. He just kind of thrusts 
the, the, the concubine out to them. He is the one that turned her over to that angry mob, if you recall. He's the one that did that. May, might they have gotten to her anyway? I don't know. Uh, but what I do know is that back in chapter 19, we saw he's the one that thrust her out into that uh, raging mob. Uh, they raped her, they killed her. Uh, all the terrible things that follow were uh, you know, perhaps largely attributable to his willingness to just give her up uh, the way he did. He left out that very important detail uh, when he gave the account here. May I say this tonight, please? Uh, get this, please. Uh, dishonesty can involve telling an overt lie or it can involve withholding the truth, right? Uh, you, can, you can lie and say something that's, that's false, or you can lie by withholding the complete truth. Amen? Both are lies, right? Both of those things are lies. Sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal if I withhold part of the truth. Now, you know why we might do that, right? Uh, you might do that if it would cast you in a bad light or cause a problem between you and, and that person you're speaking with. Or, uh, you, know, you, you know exactly what I mean. You might withhold the truth thinking, well, that's not... Uh, or, or a little bit of the truth, thinking that's not nearly as bad as just, you know, telling an overt lie. No, both are, both are lies, uh, and both are an abomination in, in God's ears. Proverbs 12 and verse 22 says, Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his what? Do you remember? His delight. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, isn't that wonderful? So picture yourself, uh, maybe, maybe there's a situation that you can think of where you were tempted to tell an overt lie or withhold the truth. Uh, don't raise your hand and tell me what you did. Uh, I read this week, by the way, that on average people lie between one and two times every day. All people lie between one and two times every day. Uh, sister, I, I read that and I thought, I hope not, I hope not Christian people. I hope not Christian people, but boy, there's a temptation sometimes to lie, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? Do you ever, do you ever, are you ever, could you at least confess that? Every once in a while, I'm tempted to lie, right? Every once in a while, you, you are, right? What can you do when you're tempted to lie? You know you're going to, if you tell the truth, there may be some consequence. It may make you feel, you know, less special than you want to be seen or how you want to feel. What can you do when you're tempted to tell a lie for whatever reason? Whether it's an overt lie or just withholding a bit of the truth, uh, what could you do in that moment? Zach, give me, give me something. What could you do? I think that's a great answer. Zach, Zachary said, first remember that God is in control. Uh, there may be some undesirable consequences if you give the whole truth. Uh, there may be undesirable consequences for you, but God is in control. He will work in that situation. What else would you do? Uh, so you would keep that in mind first. Okay, yep, I expect there might be some penalty or consequence if I share the whole truth, but uh, then what? Yeah, if you've borne the consequences, ask the Lord to help you learn from that situation. Lord, don't let me just suffer here, you know, for no good reason. Help me to help me to learn to take a lesson or two or more from this situation. Help me not to get into the situation where I felt like I needed to tell a lie uh, to, you know, rescue myself from that being revealed or, or whatever it was. And 
Uh, ask the Lord to help you learn a lesson to avoid that again. Uh, ask the Lord to help you in the moment to be honest. Ask the Lord to help you remember that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Uh, might, might God uh, be there for you in the consequences, uh, choosing to bless you as you deal with the consequences, uh, if you chose to be honest and just get it out there, might the Lord bless you for that, church? He might, right? Doesn't he bless our obedience? He does. Well, anyway, this, this man, is not, he's not offered the whole truth, uh, not by a long shot. Uh, so he's not going to suffer any consequences, uh, it, immediately at least. Uh, he continues, verse 6, I took my concubine, I cut her in pieces, uh, and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed lewdness and folly in the land. He explains that he did that. It's, it's to communicate to them the, the horror of, of what these Benjamites have done. Uh, the Levite asks advice and counsel. He wants to know, what do you guys think we should do about this? Behold, verse 7, ye are all children of Israel. Give here your advice and counsel. Pretty clearly, he, he wants the nation to go uh, to war against, against or, or to go and at least extract the guilty ones uh, out of Benjamin and, and to deal with them. Uh, they determined to, uh, to do just that. Verse 8, all the people arose, again, as one man. With, they were united. They were in agreement, saying, we will not any of us go to his tent, neither will we any of us turn into his house. We're not going to go back home. Nope, we're, we're going to take up arms and, and we're going to deal with this. But now, verse 9, this shall be the thing which we will do to Gebeah, this, this town or city of the Benjamites. We will go up by lot against it. So they'll, they'll draw lots and uh, determine uh, sort of the waves of attack, if you will, against Benjamin. Verse 10, we will take uh, and we will take ten men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred of a hundred, and a thousand out of ten thousand, uh, to fetch victuals. So they'll have uh, soldiers, and they'll have those that will kind of serve and assist the soldiers, uh, that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly uh, that they have wrought in Israel. Uh, verse 11, so all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. Gary, were they literally knit together like with knitting? No. This is, again, that same kind of language, right? They were united together uh, that they would, they would need to go against Gebeah and Benjamin to deal, uh, to deal with this militarily, militarily. Uh, the men approached and, and began to interrogate. So that they send people into the tribe of Benjamin to uh, search out the guilty party. Verse 12, the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? They say, Now therefore deliver us the men, the children of Belial, um, those, those devils that they are, which are in Gebeah, that we may put them to death uh, and put away evil from Israel. So uh, this would be a situation under the law, uh, I believe we could say uh, where the death penalty for the guilty party uh, might well uh, might well be uh, put to force. Uh, second part of verse 13 says this, the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, 
uh, the children of Israel, the children of Benjamin, gathered together, gathered themselves together out of the cities of Gebeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. So what do they do? Rather than turning over the guilty parties, uh, the ones who have committed this terrible crime against this woman, uh, ultimately leaving her for dead, she was dead, rather than uh, seeking out and, and turning over those guilty men, they say, nope, you know what? We're going to go to war against you. Uh, what, are they, what are they saying? They're, they're going to protect those men. They're going to protect these uh, wicked men from being taken uh, and prosecuted and punished according to the law. What do you think about that? Was that the right thing? Was that the right thing? Um, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Zach, what do you think? No. What would, it, what would have been a better thing to do? Yeah, probably, yeah, right? I mean, rather than, how many people are dead at this point? With regard to the Levite and his concubine and all the tribes of the nation and the Benjamites, how many are dead so far at this point right here? One. There's one person dead. I don't know how many men were guilty uh, of that crime that they perpetrated against her. It's probably a pretty good group. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Uh, but right now there's one person dead, and there's a small group of, of guilty individuals. Um, it seems to me that it would have been very wise to, uh, for the Benjamites to do whatever needed to be done to identify the guilty uh, and to turn them over for... Um, trial and you know, treatment according to, according to the law. What are they going to risk in going to war against all of the tribes? <laughs> what are they going to risk? Uh, Gary, what are they going to risk? If, if they take up arms and go to war against all the tribes, uh, what are they risking? They're risking going against the Lord. They're risking many deaths. So far, there's just one death. Uh, they're, they're risking um, inviting even greater uh, judgment from the Lord upon them. Listen, uh, why, are they, why are they not willing to give these guilty men over to the, the tribes? What would be a reason that they would resist that? Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, what, what would be a reason that they, they would just you know, be obstinate and say, you know what, we're not going to turn these guys over. We're going to go to war against you instead, brother against brother, tribe against tribe, uh, civil war, rather than turning over these guilty men to the nation uh, that, that's, that is united. Uh, they say, no, we'll, we'll, we'll go to war against you, uh, dividing the nation. What would be the reason? What would be the Brother Ray Mechik, what would be a, a reason that they would do that? Why would they do that? What would be the reason? What would be a reason? I mean, there there could be a number of them, but um, why why would they why would they be so firm uh, in not being willing to turn these men over? Think about it for a second. I'm gonna come back to Zach. What do you think? What do you think? Pride might be a thing, right? Uh, listen, uh, these are our guys. Yeah, these, these guys here, you, you may have a beef with them, but these are our guys. They, you, you, you can't, who are you guys? You're not Benjamites. There might be a pride thing here. Uh, there might be a prideful unwillingness to let 
outsiders, remember that they're all part of the nation, but not part of the tribe. There might be a prideful unwillingness to let these outsiders come and, uh, and deal with this issue. Um, that might be part of it. Zach, I, I think that's a good answer. Uh, think about this also. Uh, do you think some of it might be that there was just so much wickedness going on everywhere that they maybe didn't think it was that big of a deal? They maybe just didn't think it was that big of a deal. Remember, this is the time of the judges. I don't understand it's early in the time of the judges, but this was a wicked time. These were dark days. There was all kinds of wickedness going on throughout the land. Uh, you know, God would eventually raise up a judge and deal with the people. and People would re repent and confess. And then before you knew it, after a fairly short period of time, they were falling back into sin, falling back into idolatry, all kinds of terrible sin that went along with those things. And the Lord would raise up an enemy to repress them and uh, deal with them. And they would finally confess and repent and forsake the sin. And God would raise up a judge and uh, to kind of deliver them again. We've seen a number of cycles of this. This was a wicked, wicked time. People are incorrigible. Uh, they, 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 just, they just don't seem to be willing. I was going to say able. They're able. They just don't seem to be willing to live according to the word of God. I think part of the situation here very likely is that there's just not, um, there's, there's, they're, they're looking at what happened and saying, yeah, you know, that's a thing, that, that happens, not that big of a deal, get out of here. And if you're going to continue to harass us, we're going to take up arms and, uh, and defend ourselves. Listen, we have to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to get desensitized to the wickedness of sin. We see so much sin around us. Right? We, we, we see sin in the streets. We see sin on TV. You pick up the newspaper. You, 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 we have so much exposure uh, to so much sin and wickedness. It's very easy to kind of get kind of desensitized to it and, and realize that God, God does not get desensitized to sin. You know, sin that was abominable to the Lord in this day is still abominable to the Lord today. Uh, the homosexuality that we saw in the last chapter, that was abominable in, in, in the eyes of God then and no less abominable in the eyes of God now. The fact that the culture has moved on and started to accept these things, not started, the culture fully accepts and not only accepts but celebrates these sins today. Uh, boy, we have to be careful to not view these things as any less horrific, uh, any less wicked and abominable than they are. I think the tribe is... Uh, the tribe of Benjamin here, there's, there's probably a bunch of pride, Zach. I think you're right. These outsiders have no right to come and, and, and deal with our people. But I think there's just probably a, um, this terrible acceptance. It's not that big of a deal, so why don't you guys just move on? Well, they, they dig in. They're, they're not having anyone come in to deal with the sin in their tribe. Uh, and so they prepare for battle. Uh, verse 15, the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities, 20 and 6, so 26,000 men that drew the sword. Uh, here's uh, 26,000 soldiers beside the inhabitants of Gebeah, uh, which were numbered 700 chosen men. So 26,700, uh, they're, they're men chosen for their military skill. We see that in verse 16. Uh, verse 17 is a reminder that it, the, the other tribes, the remaining tribes, had 400,000 men who would go against these 26,700. Uh, now look at verse 18. 
Uh, verse 18, the children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? Uh, which of us shall go up first? I wonder, and if you read the, the, the whole chapter, if you remember the whole chapter, you might agree. I wonder if that's the first question they should have asked the Lord. I wonder if that's the first question they should have asked. Um, do you know what I mean? What would be a better first question? So they're getting ready. They've got this 400,000-man army arrayed against Benjamin. Have they gone to the Lord to ask his counsel up to this point? Do you see it there? I don't. I don't see it. Uh, might, might have been a good idea to go and consult the Lord about that before now. <laughs> you know, that before they've assembled a giant army and invasion force against uh, brothers in the Lord, the tribe of Benjamin, they might have sought the counsel of the Lord before now. They haven't. Um, they go to the Lord and they don't ask, um, Lord, uh, would you have us to uh, go against Benjamin? to uh, correct them for the sin, uh, for their protection of the sin, for their defense of the sin. Uh, Lord, we, you know, we think we're standing on pretty solid scriptural grounds here, uh, standing in the law. Would you have us to do this? They didn't do that. They just said, hey God, which of us should go first? Do you ever get ahead of God? You ever get ahead of God in making your own plans? Have you ever done that? I have. <laughs> I have. You ever get pretty far down the road with the plan and then realize, <laughs> oops, never stopped and prayed about this. Uh, I've, I've got my plan pretty well developed. It's pretty, the cake is pretty well baked. <laughs> uh, but maybe I should have asked God if I should have made a cake. Ellen, you make a cake whenever you want to, okay? As long as I get some. <laughs> Have you been there? You get pretty far down the road with your plan before you stop and pray and say, okay, God, what do you want? Uh, the Levite knew what he wanted. he wanted. He wanted revenge. And the people are happy to jump on the bandwagon. By the way, why do you think it is that the, that the other tribes, the whole nation, almost the whole nation short of Benjamin, they were very quick to jump on the bandwagon and assemble the, this huge force and, and, and to go against Benjamin? Why do you think they might have been so quick uh, to, to be ready to go against their brothers in the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you think? Is this a time where everybody is just living for the Lord and, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's of keeping the law? Or is it, are these dark days? These are dark days. Marilyn, when I was a kid, young person, not a goat, um, I could be pretty bad sometimes. And um, I knew that I was probably going to get in trouble just about every time I was pretty bad. So when my parents would come to punish me, usually I was, I was getting into some kind of trouble for doing something to my sister, treating my sister badly. Anybody have siblings? 
Ever treat them badly? Gary, you never treated Arthur badly, did you? Never. And Art never, you guys never had any problems when you were, you were kids, right? Probably did. Um, I'd do something, Brother Ray Mechik, to my sister, whatever it was, throw corn at her or something, you know, it was the cornfield. And she, she'd go and she'd tell, and my parents would come to punish me, and what was the first thing I would say? Yeah, but you don't know what she did. You don't know what she did. She did something 10 times worse than I did. You know, she made a face at me, but I punched her. I didn't punch her. Um, do you think that the, um, the tribes might have been so quick to jump on board here because they were very keen to deflect any sense of guilt off of themselves by focusing on someone else's guilt and, and just a, deflecting all of their attention and energy, trying to assuage their own guilt, their own conviction that they knew by focusing on those guys over there that did something bad. We've got, to, we've got to go in God's stead and deal with those guys over there. Do you think there might have been just a little bit of that? I just, I read this chapter and I've read it a number of times over the past several weeks and I look at it and say, boy, they were quick to jump on board. I understand they all got a piece of that woman in the mail and that probably got them pretty keyed up. I, I get that, but still, but still, um, they were really quick to jump on the bandwagon and I, I think there's some of this, yeah, let's, let's get them. They, they've been so guilty. They've been so wicked. Uh, this was a, in some part, I think some part of the explanation, Gary, is a little bit of a defense mechanism. A little bit of a defense mechanism. God, I know I did that, but look at that guy over there. He's really wicked. God, I know you're convicting me about my little tiny sin over here, but look at that guy. Look at all of his sin. God, why don't you go and deal with him? You know, God probably will. But if God's dealing with me, I'd do well to respond to him when he's dealing with me. Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. Do you agree? If God's dealing with me, I do well to deal with God. Well, they don't go to the Lord and say, should we, should we go to battle? Should we start a civil war against the Benjamites? They just go and say, who should go in the first wave of attack, Lord? The Lord said, Judah shall go up first. God's going to play along. He's going to play along with them. He's, he, he might have said, you know, I don't want anyone going right now this way, but he didn't. He said, uh, Judah shall go up first. God will uh, play along for now. He has a plan. He's not been manipulated, by the way. God has a plan. Uh, having sought the Lord's counsel, they proceed in going to war against the Benjamites. Verse 19, the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gebeah. And the men of Israel, verse 20, went out to battle against Benjamin. The men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gebeah. The Benjamites come and they kill 22,000. That wasn't the plan. Verse 21, the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gebeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day. 20 and 2,000 men. That wasn't the plan. Zach, how many were dead before this whole battle thing came into being? 
Now how many are dead? 22,001. Could this have been resolved differently under the law? Yes, it could have. Yes, it could have. Has anyone consulted the Lord about whether or not this is the way? Not really. Not really. Uh, the people of the men of Israel encouraged themselves. Uh, verse 22 says, uh, they've been defeated, but they're not done. People of the men of Israel, verse 22, encouraged themselves and set their battle again in array in the place where they put themselves in array the first day. Now they do go again to the Lord. They do go again to the Lord. And um, the question is a little better this time. Children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until even and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? And the Lord said, Go up against him. Okay, so now it seems a little bit more yielded and a little bit more open to God's direction. But I think the consequences show that they were really most interested in doing it their way. I think the consequences show that as much as they did seek the Lord and they did pray, what they were really interested in was having it their way. Do you ever pray like that? <laughs> Do you ever pray, um, God, I need you to, uh, to work in this situation. Um, Lord, just how, however you want, however you want to work in this situation, just go ahead and do that. But what you really mean is, God, I have a plan <laughs> to deal with this situation, and I'm just praying that you'll bless it, my plan, and be with me as I carry out my plan. You ever been there? I have. <laughs> you ever been there? <laughs> God, I've put together a plan, and I'm coming to you to bless it now. Would you bless it, God? And you know, <laughs> did God ever let you carry out his plan, even though it, you know today it, it wasn't his will? Been there? <laughs> Carol, you said amen. <laughs> um, um, yeah. God lets them carry out the plan. Verse 24, here's the result. Children of Israel came against the children of Benjamin the second day. Benjamin went forth against them out of Gebeah the second day and destroyed down to the ground of the children of Israel again 18,000 men. All these drew the sword. Zach, before the first battle, how many were dead? And how many were dead at the end of the first battle? And one, thank you, 22,001 plus 18,000. Do the math, please, and then get back to me. Is that... Is it 40,001? 38,001? 38, we talk about math on Sunday morning. <laughs> 38,001. It hasn't gone the way they hoped, Brother Art. Here they are. We're, we're just trying to carry out retribution against these wicked Benjamites. God, you know how wicked they are. We've got to go and deal with them. They weren't necessarily on unbiblical or unscriptural grounds, not necessarily, but it does seem like it's their plan. In verse 26, they seem to finally realize that they would do well to genuinely consult the Lord, to truly, genuinely yield themselves to the Lord. 
uh, and to truly, genuinely desire his direction rather than you know, some tweak of their existing plan or an endorsement of their plan. They seem far more sincere having lost, you guys tell me, 38,001 men. Verse 26 says this, Then all the, all the children of Israel, all the people went up, came up to the house of God and wept. I think this would be Shiloh, by the way. And wept. They wept. Yeah, there's 38,000 of them dead and one. They wept and they sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until even. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. You could say a lot about this verse and, and we could park there for the next three weeks. <laughs> we can't do that. But Gary, I, I believe in verse 26, I see a people who have come around to the fact that they really need to do things God's way. They don't need to do their version of what they think God's way is. They need to do God's version of God's way, and they need to really, truly seek the Lord. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever fasted. You've probably fasted at least a meal or two. Uh, you've probably fasted at least a day. Maybe there's been a time that you fasted several days or even a bit longer. Um, if you've done that, if you've done that, uh, I would dare say tonight that you were genuinely seeking the Lord. You don't fast for a day or two or three uh, unless you're truly, genuinely seeking the Lord, right? So, I mean, this verse has, this verse has uh, fasting, um, sacrifice. You know, they're sacrificing comfort for physical comfort for physical discomfort. Uh, there's burnt offerings and peace offerings. This is all, all the way that God is approached, right? In the Old Testament, this is how you approach the Lord, the, the offerings. And uh, fasting, of course, is still a thing for today. Uh, it, the Lord is to be approached with prayer and fasting. Um, they came to the house of God, so when they're, they're in the right place. Uh, they're weeping. They have the right heart. Uh, they're, they're giving themselves over to all, all the precepts of God. They're fasting, and uh, it just looks like a people whose hearts have been changed by the outcome of their own plan. Uh, they've been brought around to a genuine desire to seek God's plan. Zachary, I'm going to keep picking on you because you're doing a good job tonight. Uh, he always does, right, Gary? <laughs> I wonder if I'm biased at all in my view. Do you think I might be? Um, could they have come to this place, this verse 26 place, sooner? Yes or no? And if they did, what would be one of the consequences? What would be, what would be different if they, had, if they had started in verse 26? Number one, could they have done that? And number two, if they did, do you think anything might be different at this point? Go. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. So Zach, Zach asserts, Gary, he offers for your consideration, that they could have come here to verse 26 first. 
And if they had, the outcome almost certainly would be different. There'd be 38,000, not 38,001, you were very precise. There would be 38,000, almost certainly 38,000 fewer dead people um, at this point. I think that's probably right. I can't say I know that for sure. What I know for sure is that they could have started here. I don't know if God would have allowed some of them to fall in battle for the purposes that God has. I don't know that. But what I do know is that they could have come here with hearts truly yielded to the Lord. I think they're in Shiloh now, the right place, place of God's presence, approaching God the way that he has prescribed in his word, fasting. And that's a really genuine desire to seek the Lord and, and the will of God. Um, and they get an answer. We won't go too much further tonight, but I want you to see the answer and um, give a quick overview of the outcome. We'll pick it up there next week. Um, verse 27 says this, the children of Israel inquired of the Lord uh, for the Ark of the Covenant was there in those days. And, and Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Azar, stood, um, Aaron, <laughs> stood before it in those days saying, shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? Yeah, brothers. Uh, or, or shall I cease? Doesn't that sound pretty yielded? God, should we go or should we stop this civil war right here? They're not saying, God, who should go first? <laughs> they're not, no, they're saying, God, should we go or should we stop? Far more yielded right now. And the Lord answered, the Lord said, go up, go uh, he tells them when, for to tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. Had God told them that before? Had God ever said before, right there, you go and you go into battle tomorrow and I will deliver them to, into your hand. I will give a victory to you uh, tomorrow. Uh, has God said that But in the first two waves? He didn't say that, right? Because they haven't come with this kind of heart, approaching God the way God wanted to be approached. Uh, only now, only now does the Lord say, yes, I want you to go and I will bless you seeking me with this yielded heart. According to my word, I will bless you uh, with victory. Uh, he had not promised them victory in the last two battles. Uh, he had only permitted them to go. Please remember tonight that the Lord will, I'm going to say, usually permit us to go in our own plan, according to our own plan, um, and allow us to experience the consequences of that so that we can get to a verse 26 place. Have you, have, have you experienced this? Have, have you carried out your own plan you know, thinking, well, this is, this is according to God's word, and I prayed about it, and I'm, I'm ready to go, and, and, and you suffered some consequence as a result of that. And then you came back, and you said, okay, God, I got ahead of you. That was my plan, not your plan. Uh, Lord, I need to know what your plan is. And um, things worked out well. You ever been there? <laughs> Mrs. Hammond, have we been there before? When I graduated from seminary, 
I put together a resume and started sending it out to churches all over the country and dragged my poor, dear, lovely wife all over the country, talking to churches and interviewing with churches, and none of it was working out, none of it. We came home from a trip to Oklahoma where my wife had been nearly scared to, gather, scared to death by a spider that was the size of her hand. She said, I can't be here, that, that thing will get us. No, she was, it was pretty scary though. We came home and we said, I said to God right here, I said, Lord, I've been carrying out my plan. I went to school, I finished, I graduated, I put a resume together, I sent it out, I contacted and followed up and I went and that's how you get a job, right? <laughs> I said, Lord, you've not permitted any of that to happen, so I'm going to stop doing my plan and wait for you to do your plan. And God said, that'll be good. And now you're stuck with me. <laughs> that was God's plan <laughs> for you to be stuck with me. Brother Art, we would have done well to do the verse 26 thing first. I would have had fewer frequent flyer miles, but my wife wouldn't have been scared to death by that giant spider that came after her. The verse 26 way is the way. Now I realize you, <laughs> you're not going to sacrifice a burnt offering and a peace offering, but you might come with some fasting and prayer and a little more fasting and prayer and say, okay, Lord, I've got a decision to make and uh, I need to know your plan and, and your direction and just wait, just wait and let God answer. Um, we don't have time tonight to go into the details of the next attack, but um, it's it's pretty interesting. Um, they basically employ the same battle strategy that they employed back at Ai, Ai, uh, in Joshua, and the Lord gives them the victory that He promised to give them. Um, and it, it's not easy. They're, they don't come out of it unscathed, but the Lord does give a victory. There's more problems that will come up along the way. We'll see that get resolved and the next chapter and then Benjamin, what's left of the tribe of Benjamin in the end will be um, restored to the nation in the next chapter. But uh, we'll see, we'll see, Lord willing, the, the battle here, the final battle, it's a victory for the nation. Benjamin suffers, the tribe of Benjamin suffers terrible consequences. Only 600 of them are remaining at the end of this battle. God gave a tremendous victory to the nation. Um, it's a shame that the people didn't get to that place first. It's a shame. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I do thank you tonight for the reminder that just like the people of the nation in the day of the judges, Lord, we have a, a tendency to get way ahead of you. Father, we are all too prideful so much of the time. Uh, Lord, desiring what we desire. Father, trusting in our own wisdom rather than in your words and your guidance. 
Lord, we get ourselves into trouble when we do not seek you, your will, and your way. Father, I pray tonight that what we've seen here would, would be a great reminder of this tendency. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to really get a hold of this. We need to be a people who stand guard against making our own plans without seeking you and your word first. Lord, it's the easiest thing to do to not do that. I pray tonight, Father, that we would just get a hold of this thought, this principle. We have a prideful, self-idolizing tendency to make our own plans without seeking you first. Lord, I pray tonight that uh, we would confess that where that's needed. Lord, I pray anyone who's convicted in this area tonight would, would just agree with you. Lord, yes, I'm guilty. I do confess that tonight, Lord. I pray your grace and strength to turn away from making my own plans and, and seeking you first instead. Father, help us to be people of verse 26 who would seek you with prayer and even fasting according to your words. Lord, I thank you tonight that we do have the great privilege to come to you boldly, uh, to come boldly, Father, unto your throne. The people of the day of verse 26 did not have the exact same privilege. Lord, we're so blessed to have the completed canon of Scripture. We're so blessed to live on this side of the cross. Lord, we're so blessed to be able to come boldly to you wherever and whenever we desire. Lord, I pray tonight that you give us that desire to seek you when we should. Never get too far out of the gate, or too far down the road without seeking you. Lord, I understand tonight that sometimes it can be hard to discern your will, and so I pray tonight that you would help us each in that way. Lord, I pray tonight that when we come and seek your counsel regarding options and plans, Lord, that you would make it clear. Give us peace about what you would choose, and give us no peace, Lord, about that which you would not choose. Lord, I thank you tonight that when we approach you prayerfully with yielded hearts, you do guide us. You do direct us. You do give us peace about one way and no peace about another way. Lord, I'm grateful tonight. I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit uh, who does guide and direct. Father, help us to be yielded to you tonight. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your words. These chapters are difficult, but the principles that we can draw out are so very important, especially in a day like today, which is really not that different from the day of the judges at all. Lord, I love you. I thank you tonight for a savior, for the cross, for our church, for my brothers and sisters. Bless them, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.